Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 46th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You can't. You meet the man of the hour. He's Linhart from Fire Emblem Three Houses, Greed from Full Metal Alchemist, Sosuke from Full Metal Panic, just to name a few. He's the incredible actor who provides magnificent work no matter the genre. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Chris Patton. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing dandy as candy. You know, the, the world hasn't uh, really started off well in 2021, so we have to take moments like these as much as we can. Yes, yes. <laughs> we got to give 2021 time, though. I just want to say that. Like, that's fair, that's time. fair. We're only like, no. we're not, we're like barely a week yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel you. It has not been a great start. So, yes, let's give some people some joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of starts, so, you know, as I kind of listed in the intro, you know, household name, Chris, you know, you're very popular and very successful in your craft. But what I want to know to start us off is how did we get here? Was showbiz always the plan or did something happen later in life that kind of led you down this path? Um, showbiz, I, yeah, you know, acting, act, some kind of performing was always in the cards. Um, from the age of four, I was like doing plays and like recruiting my friends to do plays in my living room and garage. And I was the kid with the giant VCR in the 80s, uh, the VC, like the video recorder camera, like making sure. movies. Um, but then it's funny because people used to ask, did you really think you always wanted to be a voice actor? And I vacillated on that. But then I finally remembered something. At the age of nine, I took my mother's copy of Stephen King's The Shining, which I wasn't supposed to read. <laughs> and, I, and I got my tape recorder and I pressed play record and I started performing the book into a tape recorder and oh i was God. like this is so much fun and then i started putting on fake radio shows where i was this dj and i would have on special guests and i was all the people so <laughs> i guess i did want to be a voice actor um but the way that it it came about is um i've been doing theater all my life up until my mid-20s and uh i was in a play directed by someone you all may know named christopher Ayers. Um, and, uh, and there was an actress in the play with me and her name was Jessica Calvello. And she was like, she sidled up to me one day at a break and was like, you know, you might want to like audition for this company here in Houston called ADV Films. And I'm like, what's that about? She was like, well, they dub Japanese animation into English. And I'm like, really? Here? That happens? And she's like, yeah, you should. And I auditioned for them. And now way too long story short. Um, yes, that was the beginning of my voiceover career. Oh my God, just a chance encounter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy. Well, well, you've definitely cultivated quite the rapport and quite the resume throughout the years. We'll touch on a few of those characters right now. The first one of which, of course, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about him. That, of course, is Lindhart from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Now, before we dive too much deep into the character, I do want to just ask just generally, kind of give us an overview of the character, kind of how you got the job, and was there ever kind of any unique approaches to it or any fun anecdotes involved? Yes. So first off, um, Cup of Tea Studios brought me in to audition, and they, um, the guys from Nintendo had me read for like five of the male leads, and I got the word about two weeks later that I'd been cast and they brought me in for my first session and I didn't know what I, who I was playing. 
And the guy from Nintendo actually came out to me and he said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, um, we considered you for all the male leads and then we heard you're Linhart. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, and we had to have you as Linhart. And okay. I was like, oh, cool. Okay. And at the time, of course, I didn't know how popular this game would be or that Linhart would be so kind of beloved, but I started playing him and I'm like, oh, this guy's sweet. This guy's a wholesome sweetheart. Um, and the funniest thing I can tell you about voicing him is Patrick Seitz, who's my director, who's wonderful. We have a great symbiotic director-actor relationship. And <laughs> some people listening will not get this and that's okay, but those who know, know. Um, I delivered this one line a little too emo uh, for Patrick's <laughs> taste. And his, his note to me was, okay, Patton, Patton, uh, good, but this time a little less live journal. And I was like, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And I did, so. Throw yeah. it back a bit. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and there were plenty of moments, you know, especially for Linhart, which a lot of people, myself included, I think may have first seen him. It's kind of a lazy, you know, maybe, you know, he has more to him than meets the eye, but oh my God, once he, throughout the story, there are just countless moments where Linhart really just becomes much more than what he appears to be at first. So I guess, were there any other moments, aside from the one that you just said, that, you know, you really enjoyed playing Linhart the most? Yeah, well, he's quite the fighter, um, first off, which... That took me by surprise. Yeah. I also love how dramatic his deaths are. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I know I really like, um, I just liked, I'm such a nerd for uh, text and narrative and stuff like that, that I just loved some of the honest, heartfelt conversations he would have. That and that, because at first, yeah, I was like, oh, he's obsessed with crests and he likes to take a nap and drink tea. Cool, whatever. But then, <laughs> no, like this cat had a lot going on. And he actually had, he all of a sudden he would out with these deep, heartfelt statements and pronouncements. And I was like, what? So yeah, <laughs> I just kind of fell in love with him. You know, it was great. Yeah, and just like countless people. And I believe I remember you telling me uh, when we first, you know, just started talking, you know, trying to plan this thing out, that Linhart on the uh, store that you sell your autographs through, I mean, they always go like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Linhart, it's funny because it used to be if I sell my prints at a con or wherever, it's like people are like greed and turlis and da 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 da. But then all of a sudden, once Fire Emblem came out, if, if there are Linhart prints, they just disappear. Yeah, which is wild. Um, not to mention the prints I got commissioned were beautiful, but uh, Linhart is just, yeah, he's very popular. It's mm. kind of wild. Well, speaking of popular characters and one that you actually just mentioned, I want to talk about Greed from Full Metal Alchemist. Now, kind of like how we just did before we dive too deep in it, an overview of the character, any unique approaches or funny anecdotes involved? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. First, there's the matter of how I got the role in the first sure. place, which is I was on one of those long days at Funimation where you're there all day recording a character. And uh, I was on a lunch break. And on my lunch break, Mike McFarlane like, called me into his studio. He's like, Patton, do you mind coming in here for just a few minutes? And I'm like, no, that's cool. And he's like, remember, this was 2003-ish. And he was like, you haven't played a lot of villains. And I was like, no, you're right. I have played a lot of pretty boys who, who pilot mechs. And he's like, yeah. He's like, look at this guy right here. I want you to look at him and then look at this dialogue. And it's like, how do you think he would sound? And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, uh, and I started, this voice started to happen when I read the dialogue. And he was like, well, let's, okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's, 
let's try and lock something in vocally and lay down these lines. And we did, and he goes, well, congrats, you're gonna be Greed in Full Metal Alchemist, and you just recorded the first episode. And I was like, oh, yeah. cool. But at the time, I just thought he was doing me a nice casting solid. None of us knew the seismic quake that that show would cause to like our careers or, or just the anime world. It's been so many people's gateway. Um, and I will say a funny anecdote about recording Brotherhood. Uh, when I went in for my first day with Brotherhood, Caitlin Glass was directing me. And before it had been Mike McFarland and Colleen Klinkenbeard, mm-hmm. Caitlin was directing me and she, she's such sort of an innocent, wholesome person. But like I said, my first line is greed. And I looked up for like a notice and she was beat red and she was looking down and she goes, I, I'm sorry, I've forgotten about the voice. It makes me feel a certain kind of way. <laughs> That's awesome. like, okay. And it was just really cute. That is adorable. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Green has a range with his voice, that's to be sure. But, yeah. you know, he's ever rebellious and he definitely has a way with words. But so, and it goes kind of from clever to forceful. So with that kind of transition, you know, that leads to, I have to assume, an intense recording session. So when you know in advance that you're going to have, you know, a particularly intense recording session, is there anything you do to prepare your voice for that session? And kind of how do you recover afterwards? That's a really good uh, question, just from a vocal, this is called vocal pedagogy, um, from like sort of a pedagogical standpoint. What I do on the way to an intense session is I sing um, along with like whatever, not whatever, like just a, just a certain band that I vibe with. And, and so I sing and then I do lip trills and then I do tongue twisters and I do some really ugly vocalizing to get my chords in shape to do ugly things. Um, once I've done it, once I've had an intense session, the way I cool down, because your vocal cords are muscles and you have to, cool, you, it's good to cool them down too. I do, I hum, I just hum a lot. Um, and I hum in like my falls, like, and then I hum in my chest, like, and I do that for a few minutes and it gets, it kind of relaxes your chords. Okay, All right. and then kind of afterwards, I mean, I assume tea plays a role somewhere. Uh, water for me, I don't like tea. Yeah. Um, really? so just water, room temperature water, a lot of it. Okay. All right, all right. Well, the last character that I wanted to talk about, and one that is very, very near to dear to my heart, that, of course, is going to be Sosuke from Full Metal Panic. Uh, for audio listeners, uh, I was holding up my box set of Full Metal Panic. But uh, so, kind of how we've done, give us an overview of the character, maybe how you got him, or and just maybe any funny anecdotes involved with it. Sosuke was one of those rare instances of a very big lead character that I did not audition for. Really? Um, yeah, the director Don Rush had heard me in a show called Ranga as like a red shirt, essentially. Um, <laughs> and he was, for whatever reason, he went, that's my Sosuke for this FMP show, which again, like so many others, we didn't know how big that show was gonna be. And, um, he had me, we, I remember we came in really early on the first day because we really wanted to find the voice. And what we found was a voice that was really not far from my own, but it was taken to an almost monotone place. And the, 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 the trick with him was to speak in that sort of monotonous, militaristic babble that he, and, but then every now and then you had to let emotion bubble through. Mm. And it really wasn't until like Fumofu that something very interesting clicked for me 
with this character. And I'm not saying this is canon. I'm not saying this is confirmed. But for me, the light bulb that went off is that I felt like Sosuke was neurodiverse and maybe somewhere on the spectrum. And therefore, he was this 17-year-old brilliant military guy. But when it came to emotions and such, it wasn't that he was stunted or stint or, or, or but he didn't express emotions the same way that a neurotypical person would. And that was a light bulb moment for me in Sosuke. And, and, and yet you see this arc for him. And this, by the time you get to Invisible Victory, he's very angsty and in touch with, with his emotions. And he even, you know, finally, after 14 years, we get an expression of love for Konami. Um, so what a satisfying arc to that character you know oh my god yeah and it's interesting you bring about the neurotypical thing because i mean the first thing that kind of shoots out to me is uh the dojo scene with uh he fights those three guys and uh, first he he uses a gun and then he uses gas and then he increasingly is not understanding why he can't do this because yes. it's the most logical thing right yeah right 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 and the fact that like not to but i mean the fact that in that first i think it's the first or second episode he sees a condom as a makeshift canteen. That's what it is. That's, it's a survival mechanism. So anyway. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, like you kind of touched on, through the duration of Full Metal Panic, Sosuke definitely undergoes a lot of character development. So was there ever a point where you started kind of relating to Sosuke on a personal level? You know, it's funny um, because... He sounds so much like me, and yet he's so different from me in so many ways. The one way that I did vibe with him is that, and this is actually a secret that I think a lot of actors have that they don't, I don't know, it, maybe it's not so much a secret anymore, but I'm actually very shy, and I'm very introverted. I just happen to be well-spoken, and I can sort of turn on in a social setting if I have to, but I really... Yeah, like the more I got to know him, there was a certain stoicism about him that I could relate to. It was really interesting. It's very interesting. I, I never would have uh, seen you as an introvert, too. I know. I, well, I guess technically I'm an ambivert. Hmm. You know, I can kind of, I can switch around, but sure. I'm, I'm, I'm very much, um, I hermit a lot, and I'm very... <laughs> Very introverted, yeah. Oh my God. Well, guys, we're about at the halfway point, so I do want to reiterate something. A lot of you have already messaged VisionCon directly, your viewers' comments and questions. You still have time to do so, but for those watching live on Facebook, you guys can also put it in the live chat right here on Facebook. But uh, so I just wanted to let you guys know, you still have time to do that because we're about at the halfway point, but just wanted to reiterate that. But uh, the next two questions I wanted to ask you, Chris, kind of have a kind of have a similar thing, which a lot of people who watch this show or listen to it, if you're, watching, if you're listening later on Spotify, uh, watch or listen to this show because they obviously are here for the wonderful guests, the one of which is sitting right before me. But <laughs> also a lot of people watch or listen to this show because they're either wanting to get into the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know where to go next. So I want you to keep that in mind with these next two questions. The first one being rejection. Like I always say, rejection is just a part of life, no matter how you look at it. However, if I were to say there was ever an industry where rejection is most prevalent, it would definitely be your industry, which is the entertainment industry. So for the folks watching at home that fit into either they want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and want to know where to go next, what would you advise them when rejection occurs? 
Does it get easier? Or if it doesn't, what would you tell them to make it easier to cope with when it inevitably does happen? I would say it should get easier because like anything, you develop a sort of sensitivity or uh, a thick skin about it. And what the best way to get over the sense, because yes, even for all those of us or whoever you consider to be at the top tier or whatever, projection is a daily thing. It's constant because there's so many people in this field and so many of them are damn good. Um, the best way to deal with rejection is to stop seeing auditions as a job opportunity and instead see auditions as an opportunity to perform and play. If, if every audition becomes, God, I hope I get it, I hope I get it, you won't get it. It <laughs> won't happen because you're going to get in your head and you're going to do weird things to your, your energy. And it's just going to be like, oh, I want the gig and the money and the fame or whatever. I want to appear at conventions and I want to sign all the things. It has to be about love of actually doing what you're doing, like creating characters and telling stories with your voice. And if you look at every audition as sort of a mini play, a mini show that you're doing, that will save you from going crazy about, will I get this or am I going to face another rejection? Oh, shit. You know, if any of us were expecting a, you know, just, yeah, don't worry about it answer, you know, we were gratefully disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. All right. Well, in that similar theme, is there any advice you would give anybody watching or listening right now that, you know, fit in either of those categories? You know, maybe some advice that you wish maybe you had when you first started out? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> not, and not to be too clinical or didactic, but one of the main things, please learn about self-employment tax. Please. <laughs> okay. Um, no one's going to teach you. No company is going to tell you about it. No one's going to look out for you. Learn about 1099 taxes. Learn about, because a lot of us find out the hard way. The first year that uh, I blew up at ADV and Funimation and I made like over like 60,000 in a year, I didn't know to file my taxes every four months um, or every, every quarter. And I got hit at the end of that year with, um, a big old tax bill I couldn't pay because oh I hadn't saved any of my money. Um, and this happens to actors all the time. Uh, so whenever you're signing anything that's a 1099 contract, which is what a lot of them are, you know, you've got to handle your own taxes. And that's one thing. Another thing is that, is that this is a very crowded field. And uh, back to the rejection thing, rejection 99.8% of the time does not have anything to do with your talent. It has to do with a very specific thing a director is looking for. And maybe sometimes it's even luck and who you know, because the more people you know in this industry and hang out with them and talk to them and go to coffee with them, you're on their mind. So if five people who are just as good for one role audition for something, but you just had coffee with a director three days before and were palling around with them, they're going to be thinking about you. Ooh, so, okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's a whole combination of factors. I got to say, we have had, this is episode 46, so we've had over 46 guests on this show alone, and not one of them has said anything about the 1099 taxes, so, oh, yeah. so yeah, that's a huge one. That's, that's things they don't teach you in acting school 101. You've got to learn about 1099 taxes. Oh. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys took notes because now you have all the skills necessary to be the next Chris Patton. That's right. 
Well, guys, now is your last opportunity. If you have not already, either message VisionCon directly or put in the live chat your viewers' comments and questions because, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Mm. Chris Beth, now is your opportunity. I'm sorry I caught you, caught you mid-water break. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> now is your opportunity to advertise, promote, plug, whatever verb you want to use. Anything you want, the floor is yours, sir. Okay. I mean, this is an answer I'm sure everyone is so tired of hearing, but let's see. I've got one, two, three, four, five things in the pipe that I can't talk about. <laughs> um, let's see. Next week, I'm working on a big video game. I just finished a big video game two days ago. I was just the lead in a new anime. Hell yeah. Um, I was just an episodic character in a new anime, and I just recorded. Uh, you know, the one thing I can talk about is this audio book I did the other day, and um, I'm not even sure. Um, it's just it's a, it's an audiobook for a very specific audience because um I'm all the males in a reverse harem story. So I think it. Um and it gets a little dicey in some parts, but uh so I just did that. But yeah, it's it's such a pain with this industry that like typically, you know, all the stuff I've been in that you can talk about, most people know about. Like, oh I mean, I don't know, like some people are still surprised and finding out they're like wait, were you like a bunch of NPCs in Final Fantasy VII Remake? The answer is yes, that's me. Um, so if you, if you think you hear me in Final Fantasy VII, yes, that's me. Um, apart from that, no, like everything that can be talked about is out and you guys know about and all the stuff that can't be is still under NDA. But there's a lot of stuff coming out. Well, and then if you just want the daily dose of Chris and they want to find out when all of this is readily available to be announced, where can they go? I mean, so I have become <laughs> I've become very anti-social media lately, and I know that that's antithetical to being in the entertainment industry. But I have, you know, I used to be really active on Twitter and Instagram, and I and Facebook I've been on for forever. And I do like I have what if you find me on Facebook, it's become I've made Facebook very fan friendly because. Um, my Instagram is this little small thing where I share, I take dorky, weird, artsy pictures and share it with people. And I don't do a lot of like voiceover promotion there. And um, I got rid of Twitter like two years ago. Um, so Facebook, I know Facebook is ancient and it's for like Gen Xers like me and like older millennials, but that's where most of, of like my fan friendly stuff is. So yeah, the old, the old school Facebook. Well, and then lastly, you have an event coming up. At the end of the month? Yeah, yeah, January 31st, and it, wait, oh, okay, sorry, uh, January 31st, and that's with, um, oh, oh, yes, yes, um, with uh, Color World, and as you see, you can get hangouts, autographs, um, personalized audio messages, personalized video messages, so I, you know, click on the link and follow the event, and come join me for that. This collage is fun. It's cute. I like the one you guys did because it's more minimalist and simple, but um, this is a cute one. Also, like, it looks, I look really um, smirky and arrogant in this photo. and it, <laughs> It's very funny, but I like it. It's, it's, oh, and there's Kama from, um, from uh, World God Only Knows. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was also my most chatty role ever in the history of anything I've ever done. Just really? But uh, yeah, there's this for sure. 
And guys, I have all of those links right in the live chat if you're watching this live on Facebook or if you're watching this later on YouTube, it can be down in the description box below. Or if you're listening to it later on Spotify, it can be in the description. All right, and then with that, all right, we are going to go right out of the plug zone and going into our final segment, viewers, comments, and questions. Okay. Now, first, just let me pull up everything real quick, guys, so I can see you, because your boy, Zach, accidentally exited out of everything. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All righty, guys. Okay. So the first question is going to actually be from Josh, who says, hey, Chris, what are some of your favorite roles you've done? <laughs> Josh, what, are you, what have you done? Um, so Sato and Welcome to the NHK is a favorite. Uh, very intense and uh, uh, difficult role to tackle. I really loved um, playing uh, uh, this. So many people don't know about this show and it makes me sad. It's a musical anime called Narima Daikon Brothers. And I played this character named Ichiro and he was in love with a panda bear and he sings love songs to the panda bear all throughout the show. Um, and of course, I would be remiss to not mention the fact that I loved playing Hajime in Ghost Stories because it was ghost stories and it was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Those are so, and I have to say, out of my video game roles thus far, Linhart is by far uh, my favorite sleepy boy. Yes. He's, because <laughs> who, I mean, it just, he's so wholesome. Okay. Yeah. Linhart. Well, okay. So Natalie tuned in and said, Hi, Chris. I loved you as Toru from Haikyuu. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, okay, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on, I lost it. Okay. I love you as Toru from Haikyuu. What were some of your favorite moments? Oh, gosh. I, lo I loved any time. Okay, wait, there's one. I wish I could remember the quote perfectly. I loved how arrogant he was because it's hilarious and I could never be this arrogant in real life. Well, I was never as good looking as him when I was in high school. So, you know, but who is? But um, he says some, God, there's this one line he says to a guy on the opposing team and he's like, I wouldn't worry too much about those girls looking at you because they're all looking at me. And he's just, and he's, he's saying it's so honest and like, it's just a matter of fact. And I loved his moments of arrogance like that because they were so over the top and hilarious. So yeah. <laughs> All right, my boy Chris tuned in and said, uh, hey Chris, what was it like voicing Asura in Soul Eater? So that was the first kind of major villain I had coming off, wait, wait. So after I did Greed, I played Creed Distance in Black Cat. Um, and I often joke that Creed is just a slightly, uh, Creed is a gay version of Greed, essentially. Um, and then, but then Asura came along and he was this new kind of creepy like he was super creepy and I really did aim to give him a creepy voice and um it was challenging on it was vocally challenging but a lot of fun and um Zach Bolton directed me in that and we had a really good time with it that's the best answer I can give you to that <laughs> all right Aaron tuned in and said because you voiced Sanpei in Pokemon what's your personal favorite Pokemon I don't, I don't really have a personal favorite Pokemon. I like, I am, is it okay to say I'm a big fan of Team Rocket? 100%. Because like, that's what I'm drawn to in the show. So that's, that's where I go with that show. I mean, automatically. And I was so stoked to be in that show. I was like, oh my, am I teaching Ash Ketchum how to fight like a ninja? Like, that was surreal. And then when I watched it on Saturday morning TV, like I watched my episode and I'm like, I'm literally watching myself on Saturday morning cartoons. And it was just a, a high point. 
yeah. That's so cool. And like, honestly, I mean, nobody asked, but on that Team Rocket, I mean, growing up, I had the biggest crush on Jesse. I mean, I get that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So James tuned in and wanted to know, hey, Chris, what were some of your characters you wish had more of a spotlight? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one, James. I wish more people knew about Ayato Kamina in Razafon. I think Razafon is one of the most gorgeous, deep shows I've ever been a part of. And I wish it got so overshadowed by like Full Metal Panic and Full Metal Alchemist. It came out around all that, that, that same time. And it's such a beautiful show, Razafon. I'll say it again if you want to look it up. And um, Monica Rial and I played the two leads and um, it was, kind of the first time, second time I'd ever been paired with her uh, was before I started getting paired with Lucy Christian and everything. Um, and speaking of Lucy Christian, I do wish more people, especially dudes, because I think dudes are put off by the title a little bit. I wish more dudes would watch Princess Tutu because I think it's a really beautiful show and I love my character Fakir in that show. <laughs> she spoke highly on it when she was in the, uh, when, when she was on a previous episode. Oh, she loves it. Yeah, oh. like she cries over that show. Yeah. Okay, and then, okay, so Christopher, a lot of people named Chris watching this. Hey, uh, it's a fantastic <laughs> name. Tuned in, and I feel like I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry, Chris, in advance. He said, how did you like playing Gintoki Sakata from Gintama, the movie? You did everything right except Gintama. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you're spot on. Um, th that was intimidating because I was um, standing in someone else's shadow. Um, and I feel so bad that I don't remember the original, the original actor, I believe was an LA actor. I'm probably like friends with him now and I feel, you know, <laughs> feel really stupid later, but I was, and there, and, and people did kind of, some people critiqued me really harshly when that dub came out because, you know, it, it's like when someone originates a role and then for whatever reason, another studio gets an OVA or something, often a different actor comes in to do the role. And that was, it, it was intimidating and challenging, uh, but it was a lot of fun because he was, at the end of the day, he was a fun character, but it, I was intimidated by it. Yeah. All right, so Adam came with a fun one. Adam said, hey, Chris, what was your hardest voice to do and why is it Turles? <laughs> you know, yes, Turles did have to do some powering up. Um, but I don't, I don't think he was my most difficult. I think, I think the most difficult voice I ever had to do was probably, okay, this, this is gonna fly over so many people and I apologize. There is an old anime I was in called Legend of the Mystical Ninja Goemon. And I played this character named Ebi Samaru and he had this really cartoonish, silly, ridiculous voice that I had to do the whole time and is nothing like my voice. And that's one of the most difficult roles I've ever had to do. I mean, yeah, Turles, yes, he had to power up and scream and fight. And his, his stuff in the video games is, is pretty taxing. He, I would say Turles is number two. Yeah. Really? Okay, all right. Well, the yeah. last one, and I'm so, intentionally leaving this off on this one, because I also want to know this answer, is, okay, so Connie tuned in, wanted to say, hey, Chris, loved you as Gawain from Fate, was that a fun role to do? Yeah, it was over a little too quick. Like that was one of those that, man, I came in and I, I knocked him out in like 
two hours uh really? and it was it was at a studio in burbank oh, it was at bang zoom in burbank right before i was about to catch a flight to colossal con um which i was so excited about because i was getting to ride the new number one roller coaster in the world steel vengeance but um but yeah like i went i thought it was going to be just a, a walk in the park and tony oliver actually he went really hard on me as a director really? usually like tony just really trusts me and lets me go but Gawain was a little more how do i say this politely to, uh, to myself a little more butch than I usually am. Um, and and Tony really rode me, like he, he kind of rode me hard vocally for that, that, that role and got a very specific performance out of me. So actually playing Gawain was, was way more challenging than I thought it was gonna be. But, um, but I really enjoyed the end result. Oh, and it was, a cool, and it's, it was cool, it's cool to be part of that universe too. Oh, yeah. All right, and then I know we, we said that was the last one, but we got one more okay. last-minute addition by my boy Austin. He said, Chris, how did you get into voice acting? We, we kind of touched on that one a little bit earlier, but let's uh, reiterate. I can recap. I mean, really, it came down to a friend of mine suggested I should go to an open call for ADV way back in, like, 1998. I went, I went to basically essentially a cattle call, and I read, and about two weeks later, they called me on my phone, go figure, and – they were like, hey, will you come in and be in this show uh, a bit part and do some Walla? I'm like, what's Walla? And they're like, we'll tell you. It's okay. And if anyone out there knows or remembers, my debut in voiceover was in a show called Master of Mosqueton, the Vampire. And I played this character who said three lines and died a horrible death. <laughs> That's how I got into voice acting. Oh, man, look where we are now. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 46 of VisionCon Live. Before we wrap things up, Chris, is there any final thoughts of words of wisdom to leave us on? Um, yes. I just want to tell everyone, don't, don't throw away 2021 just yet. Give it a chance. Um, I really do think things are going to get better. And I'm not talking about politics or anything like that. I'm just saying the world, the world in general, I think things are going to get better. It's just going to take a while because we've got a lot of, a, got a bit of a dark hole to crawl out of and that's okay. Apart from that, um, just really any chance you get be nice and excellent to somebody, especially yourself. Oh, the only way out is through. I didn't come up with that. That's from BoJack Horseman. I love that. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> BoJack Horseman said it better though. Well, course. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 46 of VisionCon Live. Thank you guys so much for watching. I, of course, am your host, Zach Wilson, but much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, Chris Patton. Make sure to check out all the links down in the description box below. And always remember, guys, that life's better when you have friends to share it with.